How are we doing, folks? My guests today in this episode are going to be former Olympians Emerson Smith and Troy Murphy. We go through and do a recap of the first few World Cup mogul events, and we look ahead to what the rest of the season holds. We also talk about a few things on the domestic level, and we break down our picks for what's going to happen to end the season. I hope you folks enjoy this episode. And also, In the Arena is donating $250 to the ID1 Foundation, which helps support mogul athletes around the country and helping them reach their full potential. I hope you folks enjoy. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Thanks. Mm, bada bing, bada boom. Gentlemen, we're rolling. Mr. Murphy, Mr. Smith, thank you guys for uh, taking the time and getting to chat a little, uh, little mogul scan. Mr. Carroll, always a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, I think we're all the way around with the Mr. So that works out perfectly. <laughs> uh, but it was funny. So kind of just before we went on, we were uh, chatting a little bit about how um, much has kind of changed with the dynamic of the season. And, you know, we got to uh, look at a little bit of Ruka, Idra, check out some of the Super Finals, watch all that stuff. And I think it's been pretty safe to say that they've done a pretty good job with uh, all things considered with the everything going on with COVID and everything else. I mean, the fact that they were even able to hold events, I think is pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I feel like uh, obviously we saw a lot of events drop off the calendar, but I think they were in countries where you probably would have expected that. So, you know, hats off to the, the few that have been able to do it. Finland, Sweden, uh, Deer Valley. It's sweet that they're able to do Deer Valley. I feel like that's a high calling to be able to pull that one off. So good on them for that one. Yeah, it'll be cool to get them, get them on that one. It's a shame it's not at night, but it'll be good. Yeah, I'm just like to see that. I think that's the only. I think this is going to be the only um, World Cup in the U.S. for any discipline this year. Yeah, yeah. So just props to Deer Valley for making that happen. That's pretty sick. Yeah, no, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. No tent though. I don't know what are all the athletes going to do without that. Fucking sweet tent, you know, all the food oh, and bikes in there, you know, it'll be tough. It's just a just a day event, so it'll be interesting. Yeah. But at least they're at least they're having it. So that'll be uh that'll be good. But uh yeah, I mean I guess uh schedule wise, a couple things to kind of talk about are the fact that uh world championships in China was canceled, moved to Calgary, canceled again, and moved to uh Kazakhstan now. So I think the weird one, like why did they try to move it to Calgary? That's super like that was never gonna happen. Yeah, I don't. That's my hot take on that. But well, I it's it's interesting because like they don't even have an NBA seat. Like you know, they're not NBA is having a hard time being able to go into Canada and everything else. So like to try and think that they would have everyone go there to ski like a mogul event and then World Championships. It just seemed like it's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, that's crazy. Canada's kind of a no go zone. But yeah, again, sweet that Kazakhstan was able to do it. You were saying before this, Bob, that I didn't realize they were doing, they're going to do a whole world championships and then they're going to host the normal World Cup again after that. Yep. So that'll kind of be the end of the season. So we got Deer Valley and then Kazakhstan after uh, world championships. I think it's like March 14th and then like 11th and 12th will be like world championships. So after the fact, they'll, they'll be able to hold that. And then uh, Noram Tour is canceled in, in other news there. Um, they, Still holding the Deer Valley event, but that'll just essentially be a they're calling switching it to a FIS Open. So it's essentially okay. a which um, I would think there shouldn't be any issues there. The only issue is you have to have like a certain amount of international competitors. 
but I'm assuming that that's not going to be an issue because a bunch of people from the World Cup will just hang yeah, around. And... The World Cup will do it. Right. I was going to say, he thought that uh, at least a couple teams were going to stick around. That'll be pretty sick, actually. If you're a Noram skier and you get to ski against a bunch of World Cup people at Deer Valley, that's pretty sweet. Dude, we were actually talking about it in Winter Park, and there was uh, in 2009, Mount Gabriel, the World Cup was the next weekend, and they allowed like all the World Cup skiers to ski it. So it was the, it had, the Noram had like 95 people. It was like wow. 95 guys. It was crazy. And that's also when it was like negative 44 degrees. Oh yeah. I remember it was like, that. oh my God, it was so fucking cold. It was the coldest event ever. Like, and clear, no wind, no nothing, <laughs> just clear. And like literally like 95 males and like 78 girls. It was crazy. So they just added to the quota. They're just yep. like normal World Cup or normal Noram and just plunk everybody right in there yep yeah yeah it was ended yeah it was it was i remember uh i think i don't know i just remember like glenn talking about how fist has a minimum operating temperature and they disregarded it for that and he was pissed something like that (laughs) i remember i vaguely remember that discussion well i think part of that the reason they disregarded it is because the world cup was the next weekend and a lot of the world cup skiers like wanted to compete in it literally Mm -hmm. all the mountains on the east coast were closed Mount Gabriel, yeah. the mountain was closed. The only lift that was spinning on the East Coast was that lift for the World Cup. Or, I mean, so, for the Noram. It was, yeah, it was brutal. Yeah. Not a good, not a good event, but. <laughs> How'd you do there, Bob? Oh, probably like 60th. I don't know. It was like my first, <laughs> this is my first Noram tour. Yeah, no, not good. Not uh, good. Yeah. Probably sweet top to bottom, though, like 68th place. <laughs> <laughs> But looking back, so a few takeaways. Zemba not able to be here. He's here in spirit. But uh, just a few things to touch on there because we did this whole preview. We did it out right before, a couple days before, um, you know, Ruka happened. And then uh, a lot of our picks and, you know, Mr. Murphy, a lot of your – I have your picks written down too. And a lot of it kind of got got screwed up with with Kingsbury kind of kind of getting hurt. But it looks like he'll he'll be back for Deer Valley. So that kind of – that screwed up a lot of the – a lot of the season standings and, and stuff like that. But uh, so far, we're still looking, uh, at least Zemba and I are still looking pretty good for the Nations Cup. So the U.S. Yeah, you guys still, called uh, that. We, we're uh, still, yeah. looking, still looking pretty good there. So we'll see how, uh, how the rest of the season kind of plays out. Um, and so World Champs doesn't count for that, right? Or does it? No, World Champs won't count for that. So essentially, it's you got Deer Valley, two days at Deer Valley, singles duels, and then you'll have um, – uh, the one day at Kazakhstan, so that'll kind of be would that that fifth event wouldn't count for that either. That's your no. no, yeah, and it was interesting trying to figure out the breakdown because I know some other mountains in the U.S. were trying to talk about doing like um, holding a spot to do like a Noram because I think for Continental Cup, so to be able to where they have that uh, spot where you're guaranteed World Cup starts and all those things, you need to have at least three events. And those three events, you need you need to have at least I think it's like seventy five percent of the quota uh, needs to be what the old quota was um, last year for Canadians that or international nations that like competed in it. So you needed to make sure that there was like a you know a certain amount of Canadian. None of them are obviously coming down and everything else. So kind of kind of made that uh, a moot point, but is what it is. So no, yeah, no Noram tour. At least we got a, a world cup tour and we got to uh, selections went off too, which was pretty interesting that they were all things considered able to kind of throw that off, seem to go out without a hitch. Nobody was really 
um, knock on wood, zero, everyone tested in. So hopefully uh, everybody's clean everybody on the way out. To go to selections? Uh, yeah, everybody, yeah, you had to have a test. And um, How did they make all that work? Did you have to do it there? Or did you said uh, It was like, I think it was 72 hours before arrival. You had to have like a negative COVID test. Um, yeah, you could, you could mail them into wherever you wanted to do and then proof of results. You were good to go. And it was actually one of the best setups uh, coaching there. You didn't have any parents or anybody at the bottom. You had no one breathing on your neck. Like you had, everyone was separated. Everyone was wearing masks and it would like could actually breathe and like, yeah, not no one. Yeah. It was not that part was, that part was sick. That part was a super nice. It was good to be able to kind of, kind of have that, but Let's go into it. What were your uh, what were you guys' thoughts on kind of Ruka and Idra and the, the beginning of uh, the season? <laughs> you want to start, Idra? Yeah, I got a uh, pretty much from Ruka. My big takeaway was uh, Brody Summers and Ruka. I thought out of all the skiing, he he kind of skied like the biggest man there. You know, blew yeah. it in the last round, but I. Uh, I was impressed with him. Um, besides that, like, obviously Akuma, sick. Uh, that was that was my big one from Ruka, though, was Brody. Yeah. I was pretty hyped on the American dudes for the most part. Like, in Ruka, I thought that Dylan skied super well. I think he was maybe a little bit slow and needs to do – like a 10 or needs to do some a better trick but I thought like his skiing just if you just took it down to like the skiing he to me looked the strongest obviously other guys like you know like a Brody or a Kuma or other people are skiing faster but if you just boil it down to like who's looking the best in the turns I thought Dylan looked really good so props to him and then um, Brad and Nick like pulling it off in Sweden was also pretty sick to watch I think Brad probably got a little bit underscored on the singles day there but um, Nick skied really well, and then Brad pulled it in that dual event too. So I was hyped to see that. I think the U.S. guys need to, you know, start performing, and it seems like we're, I think we're on the right track there. So I'm excited to see that. Uh, other than that, yeah, I mean, obviously Akuma is always exciting to watch. Um, his Ruka run was sick. Sweden, I think, like you know, just like the classic Akuma stuff, going so fast, going huge, and kind of like not leaving anything on the table. So. I'm super excited to see that at Deer Valley, especially with Mick back in the game, you know, kind of pushing him even more when those two are, when those two are on, it's just like a pretty cool uh, dynamic, I think. Yeah, they're pretty much on another level when those two go at it. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, Akuma was skiing, skiing absolutely uh, rock solid. And, but, the, but the interesting thing <laughs> is, I mean, with Idra and with Kingsbury not being able to, to go and, you know, kind of having the back injury, it did open the door so much and it made it so much more intriguing to kind of go through and, and watch. And, uh, you know, one of the people that's definitely taken advantage of it is Ludwig. I mean, I definitely, uh, we chatted about him like a, a little bit kind of before, but that was definitely out of left field. Like, I mean, I know he did well in that fist open to like start off the year, but I definitely did not kind of uh, expect to expect to see that, that, I mean, he's essentially tied for, you know, number one in the world with, with the Kuma. That was definitely, that's the biggest surprise for me. I was like, Holy shit. Like I, d I didn't see that one coming. Definitely yeah, did not. That's a that. good take for sure. I actually saw him. I was in, uh, I was at your valley today and I saw he and Felix and I think a couple of the younger Swedish boys in, uh, in the parking lot today. So I got to catch up with them. Good to see those guys. 
I think that those guys are um, like I think if you look at it from like a technical stance, it's probably not like your favorite skiing, but uh, I think they've been working super hard and and they just keep putting runs through and it's paying off for them. Yeah, as just like a sheer men's team, they're like they just put runs down, and one of them every event kind of steps up, and they they make it into the super, and then Ludwig has been he's been doing it kind of <laughs> past Sweden and Ruka. He he did it. Yeah, no, it's definitely. Uh, I mean, hats off to him. It's been a while since he'd been on the podium. I'm I'm pretty sure it had been a bit. So it's nice to see a little little resurgence out of him but um yeah yeah i was definitely surprised with with some of those uh scores and stuff like that like uh speaking to it i mean i thought uh marco tade there in in ruka was was pretty interesting like i thought um i thought that that was pretty wide open like i thought that there was definitely you know matt or brody or or you know could have you know um really t- kind of taking control and that's one of the things with kingsbury kind of being out is that um the the skiing you have really a lot more of those opportunities i feel like it's less and in idra it seemed like it was less because the course was so much easier so it seemed like it makes it really difficult on the judges when you know uh the big differentiator there is essentially dd i mean if everyone just goes tight and fast i mean it's really hard to tell if someone's doing a pivot slide or someone's actually carving a ski and getting some good tip pressure like everyone's essentially just going straight and tight and turns into more of an air show and obviously you're going to have that throughout the course of a world cup tour but like looking through at those two different events i mean ruka was definitely um i thought the quality of skiing was not as as good as as idra um but i mean that also placates kind of to what the courses offer and stuff like that you know yeah i feel like the judges aren't even like looking at the the turn technique really it's like just about if your feet are together, but I wish there was a little bit more attention to detail there. Like, how are you actually skiing? Like, how are the, how the turns actually look? Is it like technically sound? Because I think if they were actually looking at that, I think you'd see a little bit different results for sure. Um, either I get that it gets kind of it's kind of a wash because everybody's just like pin trying to ski as fast as they can. But I thought at Ruka there was people who were skiing a lot better that maybe were not getting hooked up, and there are people who are skiing pretty sloppy who um you know we're getting hooked up not sloppy but like feet together but like your feet aren't really doing anything you're just like pivoting and slapping your way down the mobile course compared to kind of driving that tip in a little bit so i'd like to see more uh emphasis on technique i think that's one of those deer valley in particular bring it out yeah we could could see that here for sure so that'll be fun yeah, no, it should be good to see. And I heard, I heard uh, they extended the bottom section, so I'm really excited about having a nice long bottom section. Hopefully, at Deer Valley, hopefully, you know, separate the men from the boys a little bit, be a little bit steeper in that top. Um, but uh, it'll I was be- on the court the other day. The top section looks like way more chill than what I remember. Like there's not a huge waterfall or anything like that. And then the bottom jump table is like I don't know, maybe like eight feet of table. Just big. Wow. Yeah. I also don't remember that when I was competing. I wish they had that. So you got a lot of room there, huh? Yeah, it seemed, I don't know. It seemed like the landing maybe was shorter, like the chop was shorter than what it used to be, but the table was extended. So you get more steep landing, like further down the hill, which will be sick. (laughs) Do you know who did the course this year? Is it uh, Tony Gilpin again or? Yeah, Tony and I think Nat are both kind of up there and then Sea Dog's up there too, so. Okay. 
Yeah, Sea Dog did a great job with the course of selections. I mean, it definitely was. It, it was. You guys would have would have lit that thing up. I think even a old guy like me would have gotten down that. It was pretty pretty yeah. flat, pretty easy. It was like licking your chops. Sea Dog's trying to force get everybody to come out of retirement. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I talk about the women's field too, though. Yeah, I mean, on the women's side, the uh, the Japanese girls were. I thought. I mean. Uh, Yanni's got them uh, skiing at a very, very high level. They're definitely um, looking really sharp. I think Perrine, um, the the back Japan makes my heart go pitter patter. I definitely, uh, <laughs> you know, last year that's what I was throwing. So also uh, I, I, I love that up top. I think it's a good way. It's presented very well, like as as it exits down and everything else. And she she's skiing. She just keeps her upper body so quiet. You know, it's just uh, it's pretty fun. Pretty fun to yeah, watch for sure. Skiing really really well very strong for sure yeah i didn't the japanese girls in sweden really showed up that was pretty sick and then uh it's super cool to see how many like how deep the u.s women's field is like it seems like any one of those girls can kind of like show up on any given day which is pretty sick like kai owens showed up for sure in that um final run one in ruka um with like that like manly cork seven like really big really nice cork seven which i'm stoked on uh, needs to clean up the skiing maybe a little bit but uh you know all those girls have like their one thing that they're really good at or a couple things they're really good at and any of them can lay it down it seems like any day so that's pretty cool i'm thinking kai owens is gonna have her day here soon i think she's gonna have the day where she puts it all together and i think she might rival Perrine. i think so i do i think on her best day she could do it I haven't seen her. I mean, I've only seen her ski in competition. I think she's got a little bit of work to do in the turns, but maybe that's happening. I don't really, I don't, I don't know. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I haven't. Other than kind of Ruka, because she was kind of hurt too, wasn't she? Kai or no? She didn't compete in that FIS Open. Um, I didn't hear why or anything, but. Yeah, I think she was, I think she was hurt or banged up or something for that. But yeah, I mean, she's, she's geek great. I mean, I thought. I thought Tess skied pretty well. I was kind of surprised that I thought Tess got a little bit underscored in in Ruka um, from from what I remember watching the video. I was kind of surprised that where she she ended up and um, compared to like you know uh, Justine. I mean Justine, it was kind of a, a stock run. I mean I wasn't really blown away. It's one of those things, especially when you get that side view and you're able to see that exit from the top air. Yeah, it just kind of drives you a little bit crazy sometimes when you're watching some of that. <laughs> Yeah, I wish it was all from the front or all from the side. I don't know. All from yeah. the front would be good. Yep. I mean, uh, it's the same thing the judges get. So, you know, you, you know, a couple, you know, if you do f throw in a few replays where you have a couple yeah. side angles, but at the same time, like, um, it, it's, it's nice to be able to get the same kind of presentation that you're used to there. So here's a question for you. Have either of you heard at Deer Valley what they're doing with the panel? Are they... I've heard mixed rumors. Are they doing live judging or are they doing camera uh, judging? They have the, the big shipping containers out like they normally do. Um, okay. Two of them. So I, I don't know. I haven't heard anything, but I would assume it would be in person. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard anything there. I know um, over the fall or at least at the open in, in Idra, um, I can't remember for the World Cup or not, but they had like 13 judges. Some were in per. They had like three or four that were like in person and then they had like seven or eight that were like watching the feed which is pretty wild 
Gotcha. Yeah, that's so crazy. I don't know. That's a nuts one. Yeah. It seems like it's got to be one or the other. Like, everybody's got to be, or at least they're going to be different. Like, they have to be judging, you know what I mean? Like, everybody who's judging live should be judging the same thing. Everybody who's judging in person should be judging the same thing. So it's not all mixed up or something. Yeah. Because, you know? like, if you have one, one judge judging heirs who's in person and one judge judging heirs who's remote, like, I think you're just going to get wildly different uh, perspectives. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I think they could, hopefully they would be able to, you'd have a radio or you'd be able to communicate with them at the same time. Like the, how, how does that, I mean, that puts a lot of pressure on the head judge to be able to like, all right, the remote person's got it as a nine, two, he's got it as a six, eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so crazy. Long. Yeah. Hopefully in person. I feel like that's like the only way to do it. And I think they will, I think they'll be able to do that. I mean, I would assume they'd be able to do that here. Uh, the tough thing is you have to have a certain amount of international judges as well, right? I think they'll be fine with having the judges for the U.S. be able to make it out and stuff like mm -hmm. that. But having those people come in and kind of kind of quarantine, I think, is the, the difficult part. Uh, if you have to have judges from Canada or wherever else and then... You know, How does that work? Do they have to... They don't have to quarantine, right, when they get here. You just have to probably present a negative test before you fly in. I think it's a negative test before you come in. I don't think that you have to quarantine. Um, no, there's no but way. It, but it is when you get home. I know, like, if they have to go, like, yeah. you know, yeah. Australia, bless their hearts, we're 10 weeks, dude, 10 weeks in Ruka. Yeah. I don't, like, wild. hands off to all those boys and girls out there. Like, I don't know how the hell you would do that. I mean. Oh. like they got into the Nordic scheme for you. <laughs> really embracing the culture. Yeah, that is gnarly. I cannot imagine being there for that long. Ten weeks in darkness. <laughs> Dog, I think you're up for it. Ten weeks? <sighs> Big Finland guy, this guy. Oh, I don't think I'd last. <laughs> I don't know, give me a pair of park skis, you know, maybe a snowmobile. I probably could do it. Ooh. All right. Get some hockey fired up. That'd be fun. Get in, get into cross country. And I guess that's the, the way to go there. Hmm. Uh, one of the other things at Ruka that uh, kind of happened that um, was, I think Kazakhstan had most of their team wasn't able to compete because somebody <laughs> in the group tested uh, tested positive. Because I know uh, Dimitri, I think, was one of my picks for uh, might have been for Ruka or for the overall title. And then I saw that and I was like, hmm, that's uh, that's a bummer that none, you know Yulia wasn't able to ski and a lot of those guys that are. Um, they got a, they got a pretty good team, you know, and he's holding down the fort like 31. He's, he's the last old guy in there. He's still yeah. doing, it. still, still doing it, still hammering it out. So it's good to, good to see. There's still a couple old, old, old guys hanging around. The, yeah. The Swedish boys were telling me that the way that that came to light was one of the Kazakhstan guys did like a back half and like landed on his head and got pretty messed up. And when they took him to the hospital, they found out there that he had COVID. Whoa. The story that I heard today was pretty crazy. That was in Sweden, right? I can't remember where they said it was. Because they tested, someone tested positive in Bruka, pulled from the event, competed Sweden singles, and then Duels Day, the they kid did. Out. Yeah, because <laughs> then they all got pulled from it there. Yeah, I don't. I'm not exactly sure, but that's what the that's what Ludwig and Felix told me today. Interesting. Interesting how that. Yeah. Was, um, well, they should all be back and uh, healthy for 
for DV, hopefully. Yep, what, they were uh, side. Yeah. What do you guys think for uh, for Deer Valley? I mean, what are your what are your thoughts uh, on that? Who do you guys think are gonna gonna kind of come out and uh, separate themselves? I'm going. I'm going Nick on Deer Valley for sure. I think. Uh, I feel like he's gonna be better. To be honest with you, like yeah. I feel like that guy's been going so hard for so long that like a little bit of time off, he's just gonna be like so hungry. And he put up that clip of him doing that pretty sick Cork Seven uh, truck driver. Yeah, it just doesn't – you can't expect that, that guy lost any ground. No. Uh, in that short of a time. So, I think he's going to be on fire. And I think, per, like, Perrine just looks so strong that, like I said, any of those American girls could show up and have a day. Same with the Japanese girls. But I think, like, they have to have, a, like, a day for real if they're going to take down Perrine because she's consistent and every round of her seems like it's pretty solid. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think Mick – I don't think he would come back unless he was ready to win. Mm-hmm. Like if he, sure. if there was any doubt, he wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So if he's skiing it, I think, I think he's going to show up. And then I'd probably have to say, I think <clears throat> I'm going with Brody and Matt are going to round out that podium. Dang. That's Love my, that. that's my, my hot pick. Matt hot pick. got to be firing right now for a podium. That guy's. Yeah. I'm sure he's ready. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, Matt had a good uh, what he podiumed in um, uh, at the duels event, I think. In uh, true, yeah, yeah. So he got, I think he tied for first, him and Ludwig, right? I think they were the um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who tied there for the win, and uh, he's sitting. Though, man. I feel like that dude is so hungry. He he's been yeah. doing like the nicest back holes ever. Both of those boys. Yeah, they have. He's some. also he's got a W on Deer Valley, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no, but I think you, how, what, how can you not call out a little bit of Akuma there? I mean, he had a smoke yeah. show of a run last year under the lights. He did, but I think, I think, uh, I think putting the cane back in it, I think he's going to blow up. Uh, you think he's just going to push it too hard? I don't know, dude. It seems like sometimes when those guys are going back and forth, Akuma shows up and like lays it down. Yeah. But like the first one, I mean, big dogs back in town. Interesting to see how it how it all plays out. Yeah, I mean it's hard. It's definitely hard to go against uh, Mick there for sure. But um, I Brody's an interesting one because uh, you know he's so tall and it shows up so well on those uh, longer courses and stuff like that. I mean the skiing here, I think really uh, you're able to to kind of separate and um, there's something to be said to to kind of have that dynamic up and down that he he kind of has. Um, I think it'll definitely help for him uh i would go i mean i think i think um i'm gonna pick akuma i think akuma is gonna win i think kingsbury's gonna have a little rust to kind of shake off um i could be could be uh could be wrong but um you know. so what do you what's your poet what's the top three men and women what do you guys think uh i have akuma uh winning uh for the men and then i have uh kingsbury i think will be second and then i got maddie graham in third I think I'm going to do Mick, Akuma, and then, man, my third, like, I feel like I can go so many different places, but I could see Matt, I could see Ben, I could see, like, a Brad showing up and doing that one. Um, I mean, if I guess if I had to, like, give you an answer, it'd be Mick, Akuma, Ben, I think. E-Dog? I'm going Mick. 
and then Brody and Brody, Brody Matt. Brody Matt. That's where you found. Yep. All right. Yep. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It'll be interesting to uh, to see how it all lays out. What about on the? I'm, I'm gonna. I I, had, I got stakes in the game on the women's side, so I can't. I can't mm. comment on the uh, on the ladies. <laughs> so I'll let you guys. Uh, I'll let you guys hash it out on the women's side. I thought it was kind of sweet. The women's podium. So. <laughs> um, I would say Perrine. Um, man, that's a tough one. But Perrine, I think Jalen is a strong contender. I feel like she can just really put some distance on the other girls in that middle, skiing really fast. So I'd probably go her second. And then, man, I don't know. I feel like, again, it's like a toss up, but there's a lot of people who could take a spot on the podium. So maybe. I feel like Tess is due for one. I feel like the I feel like for some reason the women's team always shows up and like gets at least two spots in the podium at your rally, if not three. Yeah. So well, one of the things just on uh Jaylen, I don't know if she's fully back uh back healthy yet. I know oh, she hurt her back. Yeah. I saw her today yeah. though at your rally. Um, she was skiing. So yeah, I mean maybe she'll be she'll be good to go, but I know she did hurt her hurt That's her back fun. there. Uh, yeah. so I don't know if she's gonna be able to to compete or not. Mm-hmm. I'd have to go who mm, Perrine, Jakara, and then I'm gonna go Kai. I like that. I think nice. she's gonna pull one out. Hunter Bailey was saying on the lift today that he thought Nick Page could do pretty well. And I, was, I, I was just gonna say, I mean, Nick, you know, throwing the 14 in Ruka, getting his first podium, and um, I think it'll be a little bit interesting. Or a little bit different, I should say, with like having to deal with the pressure and stuff like that at Deer Valley. It's not the same. You don't have ten thousand people under the lights and everything else. You know, it'll be a day event. So I'm curious how um, much that kind of allows people to be a little bit freer. Maybe not kind of feel the noise and feel the pressure of all those people mm-hmm. and all those eyes at the bottom of the course, where you can kind of just go out home mountain and um, you know he's got plenty of room to do that. Fourteen, I guess, on the bottom air. It sounds like there's some there's some space there. Yeah, there's space. I think that plays both ways. Like the crowd, not the. I think for some people, like the crowd helps. Uh, I feel like the crowd helped me, maybe. Like I thought that having that many people there just got you super hyped, but then other people probably vice versa. So it probably depends on the person. Like I was watching X Games the other night and uh, Super Pipe and like Al Ferrer to me, he's like a dude who feeds on the crowd and it seemed like he was having a tough time in the fight just because there was like nobody there. So I wonder yeah. if that would be. Like you're saying, like it could help some people, could hurt others. I think the other thing with like Deer Valley too is it, it isn't a, more U.S. men make it in that final than almost any other of the years in the past. Like I think you could probably expect four U.S. men, maybe even five, to slip in that final. Really? Oh, there you no, 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 you're good. I was also saying today on the lift that I think the Dilbs could show up. Dylan Walzak could show I up. I think he could. Yeah. yeah, if he can just, like, ski a little bit faster and do a 10, I think he could have a great result. Because his, like, skiing right now, based on the Ruker stuff, at least, was really, really good. Yeah. And I think when, like, courses get a little bit more challenging, which Deer Valley could potentially, like, people are already skiing it. Like, they have the Wasatch team skiing it, so it's going to have maybe a little bit more teeth by the time that they compete on singles. So I think Dylan could maybe have himself a night there. I hope so. I think he will. I think, yeah, he- uh, I mean, he certainly put up some results on Deer Valley before. Like, yeah. 
you know? I mean, he was, what, top finisher for the U.S. in world champ singles? He got second there that one year. Yeah, he got second. second in 2015 Mm -hmm. in duels. Like, I don't think you can ever count him out. Yeah, 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 I think – I think if he slips in a super final, he won't – it won't be another fourth. Mm-hmm. Like, if he gets in there, he's got a good result under him. I think he'd cut loose a little. I hope he's doing the big the big tricks. We'll see. And it also seems like Marco is pretty – skiing pretty well. He's, like – I feel like that guy's usually kind of, like, hot and cold. And it's, he's been in both – has he been in both super finals or at least in both finals so far? I think he was in – yeah, both finals. Yeah. So he could be another one. He's had he got he's podium to Deer Valley, right? Did he get second or yeah? He's he really yeah. I don't know. This is going to be an interesting one. I'm pretty actually I'm excited to watch. There's and then you got the uh, the the wild cards of uh, everybody coming out of selections, which is kind of on the men's side. I mean, at least <laughs> I don't in, even who has years stars, past. You know? um, so I know Joel, obviously, who I thought was retired. I'm pretty sure the last one I was, you know, thought, but he skied, he skied awesome. He's really skiing uh, super, super well for not uh, having a lot of time training and stuff like that. I mean, I really think he's, he's skiing great. Um, and then who else got the start? Uh, Bubba, Wyatt uh, Ankowitz. Uh, he's got, uh, he got a start. Uh, also. No, he had a start last year too. No, nope, this is his first. He's a Yep. Yeah. Was, yeah. So this, this is uh, his first start. He's he was skiing well at, at selections. I mean, it's like I said, it was tough on the judges at selections because the course was um, so easy. It made it difficult to differentiate, you know, people's uh, skiing and, and stuff like that. I definitely felt for the judges at, at selections a little bit. It was like, hmm, what are you gonna, what are you gonna score that? But they, it was may have, it's had to be like the highest scoring selections. There was like nineties. They're throwing out like, yeah, I heard nice. yeah. There were some high scores. We might have to fact check that one with, with Casey Andranga. He might have he might have taken a ninety something. There's a nine. There's a ninety in there before I was going to say. I there's, can't there's... guarantee it, but he might have. <laughs> he might have. Yeah, but no, my my. Uh, I think, out of selections, the underdogs, I think Beauregard might slip in there. Yeah, I do. You know, he's gotten it. Seems like he's got his area dialed now. He's got his air styled and he's starting to like ski consistent. Yeah. Which is huge for him. Like he's always been good, but just under pressure, he's he's cracked. And this year he I mean, two days at selections, starts on the line, come out, get him. I think he might I think he might pop in that final at Deer Valley. Yeah, he's yeah, skiing, I mean, he's got a great turn too. I mean, he's got that that Killington, a lot of tip drive, and it's a good, it's it's, it's definitely fun to watch. And it seemed like he got those those airs dialed in uh, for sure, at least compared to where they were in the past. So that'll be uh, it'll be it'll, it'll be interesting to see. There's a lot of good skiing at selection, so that's definitely uh, nice to see um, that that the top ten, especially. I mean, it was definitely pretty uh, pretty competitive on the on the men's side um, for sure. Yeah. Now on the women's side, um, Lemley. Go talk about Lemley. Elizabeth Lemley. She's fourteen. She's skiing think... super well and really aggressive. Uh, got a good uh, turn. I mean, Dowling obviously knows what he's doing. You know, he's a legend in his own right, and he's produced um, as much as anybody, if not more than anybody. I mean, I, um, and Lemley's definitely the next one. Him and uh, Phil Marquis got her skiing really well. She yeah, and she's. She's got the air package going too. Yep. I mean, yep. 
is that a is it a loop truck up top loop, loop truck up top and then she's got the d-spin on the bottom so i mean yeah. it's a pretty good uh and she yeah she goes big skis aggressive so um be interesting because i always feel like there's always a couple people from selections at least in the past that never gotten a shot never gotten a shot you know they finally get that one world cup start and then boom next mm -hmm. thing you know they're uh off to off to the races yeah yeah i feel like that could very well happen It'd be sick. I mean, if any of those people had had a night or a day, I guess it would be awesome. I'd be super excited for Joel, super excited for Ian. I feel like that guy's been working so hard for so long. Same with Bubba. Like you always, those two names are like always there. So it'd be cool if they can like show up and, and make it happen right out of the gate here. It'd be super cool. Are they going to, that's just a U.S. star, right? They have, they don't have a Kazakhstan star. Oh, that's a world championship, I guess. Anyway. Well, it is. A, it's a World Cup too on the back end. Right. Um, I wonder if they're going to send like the whole team because world championships will just be the few people who qualify. Not everybody will qualify, or maybe they will. But, more people uh, out. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming they're going to send the whole crew over there. I mean, if you're over there yeah. competing the next day, I mean, it kind of makes sense to to have everybody there. So they'd be they'd be good good to go in that regard. But yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting uh, interesting to see for sure. How's Avatar feeling, Bob? It sounded like she was. I mean, Jeff said that he really liked her stuff in Winter Park. Yeah, I thought she's. Uh, you know, she's putting in a ton of hard work, and I think she's she's skiing well. She got the results that that she needed to to get the start, and um, I think if she continues to keep skiing aggressive and going big, I think she'll be uh, she'll be in good shape. Hopefully, mm -hmm. I like how many girls are doing the quirk sab, and that was nice to see it at uh, selections. I mean, it's definitely. Um, a lot of ladies now up in the DD and everything else, so it's it's pretty good that uh, some of them had higher DD runs than than some of the guys, you know, uh, which is definitely a good thing. Good thing That's to huge. see. Yeah, good thing or a bad thing, depending on you. You look at that. Yeah. Well, another guy that would ski really well, he just uh, cracked a little bit at selections. It seemed was uh, was Cole. Um, Cole, why am I blanking? McDonald. McDonald. Yeah, he. Uh, I think he qualified in first both days. I mean, he was skiing really well, and then just a uh, little, little too much chutzpah when it uh, came to, yep. to nut crunching time. But he was skiing great, uh, jumping well. Yeah, it yeah. seemed for him it was you know he day one qualified first. I can't speak if it was his first final going into first, and then kind of cracked in that final one day one, and then day two went figured it out final one. Mm -hmm. um, and then super final kind of blew it day two. Like he's one you wish there was a Noram tour because he would, mm -hmm. you'd expect big pains out of him there, you know, like now that he's had like winning a couple rounds, he's done a super final, like he could go on to kind of dominate that Noram tour, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be super interesting too. I mean, he's he's kind of always had uh, him and Nick were always chasing each other, and you can see it in the. I mean, the talents there, uh, DD skiing wise. I mean, he he skis. Uh, he's got a nice turn. He's aggressive, and um, we'll see what happens at that fist open. I mean, that'll kind of be an interesting dynamic too, because you'll have like that Noram level against some of those yeah. World Cup skiers. I mean, that'll kind of be a fun event to uh, to check out for sure, because I think that. It'll be interesting to see how it all how it all stacks up. It probably won't be a full World Cup field, but like Australia is definitely going to be there because they can't go home. So you know, <laughs> at least they're not in Ruka anymore for ten weeks. So I mean, Australia is definitely going to ski that. I would imagine. So that's going to be a cool one to watch. I feel like you know when you're like the World Cup skier and then you have to ski against those Norm kids, like 
or that you know Europa Cup or whoever that next level down is like you just know those guys are going to go so hard you kind of almost show up to those events as a world cup secure like shit I have to like really have to like hammer on this one because these all these young bucks are going to yeah. really be coming for me and yeah, some go in, like, in there and, and crush it so that's going to be cool yeah, it should be uh, should be interesting to see. So, uh, what do you guys uh, think on the on the rest of the year? Um, picks for who you think is going to kind of take the take the title on the men's and women's. You know, right now you got Akuma and uh, Ludwig that are tied for the uh, tied for the lead. You got Maddie Graham who's um, sitting in third. Let's go through. Let me pull up the for the men. Let's see. Uh, I'm pulling it up. I'll be right back. You're good. You are good. Let's see. I got the all right. So women, I'll do women first. We got um, Perrine sitting in first. Uh, she's got a ninety-five point lead. Uh, she's sitting three hundred points over uh, Jalen Coffs in second. Aniri Kawamura, is that righty dog? Does that sound good? You'd get me on the pronunciation. I know uh, who you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. So she's sitting in third. Uh, Hannah Soar in fourth. Justine in fifth, uh, Anastasia Simonova sixth, Tess Johnson seventh, and let's see, Hinako Timataka, I'm going to go with. I'm going to say that sounds right. Uh, Chikara Anthony in ninth, and Kisara Somoyoshi in tenth, and then your girl Kai Owen sitting in eleventh right there. So mm-hmm. um, all fairly close uh, point-wise, so it'll be interesting to kind of see – with only essentially three events uh, to go. You got the one event in Kazakhstan and then you got two at DV. Um, what do you guys, what do you guys think on the ladies side? Do you think Perrine's going to essentially hold on to that? Can you give me the top three real quick again? Sorry. Top three. Yeah, no, you're good. Uh, so you got uh, third is Anira Kawamura with uh, 172 points. Then Jalen's in second with uh, 205. Then you got Perrine in first with 300. I think, Perrine's going to take it. I think she's yeah. just too consistent to, even if she loses a couple events, I don't think she's not going to be on the box. Um, so I think she'll take it. I'm going to put Jalen in second, and then I think Hannah Soar is going to round it out. I like that. Yeah, I could see that. I think, yeah, Jalen and Perrine and I would be a pretty safe bet for one and two. Uh, three, I, I didn't hear exact how tight the scores are, but is Hannah in fourth? Hannah's in fourth, yep. Ooh, yeah, I could see that. I think she could uh, pull out those big tricks at Deer Valley and do really well. Uh, I don't know. What's Kazakhstan like for somebody with a big air package? I don't really know, but yeah, I think she could do really well. It is a pretty flat course. Kind of What's flat it similar to? Ooh. Hmm. I want to say Killington Noram, but like new school Killington Noram, not okay. like yeah. outer limits. Gotcha. Uh, it's kind of like that with the bottom air that falls away more. Okay. Got it. Maybe a little longer. A little bit longer too. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, that'll be interesting to see how that, and I think that's just a duel as well. So that makes it definitely a little bit more of kind of a, a, kind oh, of a crap yeah. shoot of like what's going to happen that, you know. True. Um, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. I mean, you ascend, you only have one single event left, and then you got two duels events, so that makes it uh, definitely makes things a little bit more kind of wide open and how things can kind of move and groove there. Um, 
On the men's side, you got Ludwig and Akuma are tied for first and second with 172 uh, points. And then you got Matt Grahams in third with uh, 149. He's two points ahead of Marco Tade uh, with 147 in fourth. Brody Summers is in fifth with 146. So the top, those guys are all separated by three points. So it's And then what was, how far of a lead do Ludwig and Akuma have? They have about about thirty points, twenty points, not much. And they were at one seventy. One set, yeah, one seventy two, then one forty nine. So yeah, not uh, not too uh, not too. Where's the one Bradson? Bradson with I know that's I was thinking the exact same thing with all the duels left. Uh, Brad's in seventh in the world right now with uh, one hundred twenty four points. So I feel like you got to put Brad on the podium at one of those spots for sure. Like without like whether it's a home mountain at TV or Kazakhstan, like I, I'm going to put Brad at one of those spots. He's going to be on the podium for sure. Yeah. I think he's just all those guys that you just said though, like that are packed up in there are all good dual skiers. Like Marco sick dual skier, Matt and Brody, both sick dual skiers. Um, Akuma and Ludwig, I like all those guys are, are good in the duels yeah so round it just to finish off the the top 10 there i mean it kind of drops off after really after the top eight um nick page is sitting in eighth with 122 and then sasha theokaras uh in ninth with 80 and jordan cobra in 10th with 61 and you got uh dilby uh in 11th with 59 so really like those top eight guys are really the only ones that i would say are going to be in in striking distance to kind of to kind of make it happen and then how high can kingsbury go I know, it's I interesting thing. Like, 300 points is all that's out there to get so i mean I, I don't know if that's enough to close the gap you know i don't i think that's a little bit tough of an ask but may who knows? where's cabot sitting ben is sitting in six with 131 points mm. That's a that's a hard one. That's super hard. I'm going with the classic overall with a a little toss around. I'm thinking Akuma's taking it. Okay. I think Mick's gonna come in second, and Cavett's gonna round it out. Really, you think Ben's gonna round it out, huh? I do. I think Mick's gonna win out. I don't think he's losing. I and think I could, go, I could be like Akuma, Mick. I might put Matt though third. <laughs> I got I got Maddie on on there for sure. I think Matt Graham's gonna he's a good dueler. He's a good skier here. Um, I think Matt'll be in the in the top three. And I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I could see Brad sneaking up there, especially if he's able to duel well and and you know ski well. He's at the home mountain here for the next two events. I mean, it's just such a unique thing because the season's like so short. I mean, there's no, you're good. There's only three. You know, you know, there's only three stops left. So it's like, how is that gonna? It's shaping up well for Brad, too. Like he's one of those guys who, like, skis really well at certain places, and Deer Valley is definitely one of those places. Japan's another one. It's a bummer yep. that got taken off for him. But the fact that two of them are at Deer Valley, like, on his home turf, and then two of them are duels, yeah, that sets up pretty well for him. Yeah, no, I think it'll be – and it'll be interesting. I mean, hopefully uh, uh, Nick can, can get a few results in there as well. I mean, he's having obviously a, a career year for him. He got his first podium. He was the first American to do uh, 14 in an event. Um, so he's kind of checking, checking a lot of boxes there. And 
Um, I think he's he's definitely had a breakthrough this season, at least to me, like mentally, you know, he's kind of once, especially, you know, I feel like it, it hits a different gear once you kind of get that podium, right? It's like, you're knocking on the door, you've had some good results. And then finally you're able to kind of get that podium there. And I feel like it gets a little bit of that monkey off the back for him. Um, yeah. It so, feels validated. Right. Cause he's kind of, uh, at least here in the U S he's been, he's definitely been somewhat of like the, the chosen one or the next prodigy to come in. And it's, it's definitely well-deserved cause I mean, he's a super hard worker and, um, he's always out grinding. So, I mean, I think for, for him, it's, it's gotta be uh, nice, nice to see that he's finally getting some, getting some of those results and, and stuff like that. Cause of what, I think last, last year at your value was his first final, right? And yeah. He got top 10, I think there, I think he got like ninth or something like that. So it was kind of a, um, exciting time for him so i think that he's got he's got a good opportunity there yeah i'm psyched for him yeah he has been like the prodigy kind of kid in the u.s forever but it doesn't seem like it's ever like i feel like a lot of people who have that weight on their shoulders like it gets to them and maybe they don't end up working that hard they kind of just fall off but he is just like has been constantly going like always pushing it in the air always like working pretty hard so i'm psyched to see that it's like to see him kind of follow through you know, we were just talking about uh, Nick uh, Page and kind of him working through, kind of getting that monkey off of his back of finally breaking through with the podium. And he's kind of been dubbed as the prodigy and the next great, you know, U.S. skier. And there's definitely some pressure that that comes with that. But it seems that he's he's finally uh, kind of broken through. You know, he got that first result last year yeah. and things like that. Yeah, I don't know. I've seen him train some this year and then just like, Ruka, obviously, like, good result, not the best, but, like, he did a 14. I mean, that's insane in its own. And then Sweden, I mean, he kind of became a boy to a man. Like, just watching him train and then compete, like, he's – he doesn't really ski, like, timid anymore. And he's – I think he will be a huge threat in the future. I don't know how near the future. Like, I think he can – maybe put up another podium this year but like years to come after that i mean i think he'll he'll dominate he's one of the dub 10 boys we gotta talk about that like who is it it's nick mick akuma just posted a nasty dub 10 from finland yeah oh really yeah so sick i can't remember who else there's definitely at least one more i think but um can escobar do it I think he probably, yeah, well, they, I think he and Ben did it at Mijev um, like years ago and they had that really big bottom air. They did, they were doing dubs. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, those guys have obviously just like a ton of upside in the jump department, especially if, you know, the rules get maybe a little bit more lax. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they do kind of allow them to be a little bit more lax. And I think that'll, it's, it's a big gap it's a big jump because of the risk of injury and everything else. And you get people that are out of their comfort zones, trying things that they probably shouldn't be doing. You know, I mean, that, that's the hard thing. Cause you do have those guys that are clearly capable of doing that. Right. And it's not like a stretch for them to be able to perform that in a run. And then you have somebody who's like, ah, I think I can do it. I'm going to go, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it, bro. <laughs> I think that I was thinking about this. I've been thinking about this a little bit. I think that mogul skiing should be judged on, you know, divided up evenly. Like one third of your score is your jump. One third of your score is your turn. One third of your score is your speed. 
because then it makes it so that everybody has their thing, right? Like a guy like Nick Page can show up and do the dub 10 and it's super sick. But then a guy like Dilby can go and ski like a really, really nice middle section and get scored for it. And then a guy like uh, Walter Wahlberg can go and like hammer a middle section unbelievably fast and get his score. So it'll make it so it's like a little bit more diverse. So you don't have everybody doing the same cookie cutter run, like just trying to be clean with no mistakes. It'll be like people will actually be playing to their strengths and trying to win you know kind of in their own way i think it'll make it interesting and i think it'll also make it so that you know a guy like a guy who can ski fast and ski clean doesn't have to do the dub and can still win if the scores are truly even right like if it's even equally weighted between those three things that's my take i think that's tough yeah that i, I think that's tough i think it well i mean especially if you're gonna do that then you have to make the courses longer like if you're going to set it up and well, that's the thing is like it, it will change like people will be different people will be favored at different areas right like if you put the world cup at winter park the dude who has a sick jump package isn't going to win because the jumps are small right so like it kind of makes it so that um you have to like kind of match your skill level to the course a little bit too i think yeah i mean i i, I think there's definitely a way that you can change the scoring to try to make it uh a little bit more even, but um, I mean, I think the main thing in my opinion is getting more money into the sport to keep yeah, yeah. people around. I mean, I think that they like, rather than trying to do another scoring change, try yeah. to get more, more money in to keep people around. You know, if you're making, I don't know, 80 grand a year to be a judge, like I bet you guys that were former skiers and know what's going on will be like, yeah, I'll go do a world cup tour and I'll, I'll, I'll judge. Rather than some of these people that, you know, have never really even skied bumps before or haven't in a long time. And they're going off judging and kind of influencing events and Olympics and all these things. And, you know, they say they know what a carved turn is. And I don't need to go down a whole rabbit hole here. But, I mean, there's definitely differences in skiing and uh, and there's differences in jumping. Like, you know, that's one of the frustrating things. Like, as a former athlete, you can see somebody who, like, oh, damn, that's a good full. Like mm -hmm. compared to somebody else where it's like, you know, that's a shitty full. <laughs> As someone that used to do shitty fulls and look around the corner, like I'm fully aware of the difference, but I don't know if a like if a judge is going to be able to pull that off, like, you know, it's just interesting. Like, and you even see that a little bit at, at selections, like some of those scores, you know, those scores there, you're like, okay, that wasn't that great of like a, a back tuck or, you know, a full up top. You can tell that he's dropping around the corner a little bit as a coach. And then you look at the score and, all right. Why is that like a nine, nine three? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you knows this game. Yeah, I know the scheme with the back fold up there. I know how to sell a judging panel. You know that. <laughs> you got to do. You got to sell them. You got to sell them. You got to play play to your strengths. But I think to your point, Murph, on the going, you know, a solid one third, one third, one third is like you brought up Dylan. There, great example. But like if we were going off of the actual percentages right now, like that guy would have a win under his belt. Like 60% of the score is supposed to be your turns. So I think it's less on the percentages and more like what the panel's actually looking at. Yeah. You're saying my eyes, really, we got, we got five right overall impressions down there. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, is tough, but that's just, that's what it is. I think there's something to be said for that. 
like I was trying to like change the rules to make things better instead of just like addressing the problem. But that was just my point to like yeah. how would you allow the doubles and you know that stuff to come? Yeah, I mean, I'd love I'd love to see a double in moguls. Yeah, but I would there are guys that are capable of doing a jump change. You know, like an actual jump and landing. Like if they just straight allowed it and was like, we're not gonna change courses. Awesome, guys, yeah. do it. Great for the sport, but like. Once you start getting into that field and then like slowly, I think we're getting into just bigger and bigger jumps, pads, and less and less moguls. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll be interesting if you, if you're able to get the money and um, convince uh, somebody to do an old school pro tour, right. Where there are no jumps, you could literally create yeah. your own and yeah. like you could, you want to do inverts. Sure. All right. Pick your bump. Do you want to flip? All right, sign the waivers. There's no, if we sign enough waivers already, whenever you're at the ski hill, just sign one more. Like, yeah, if I yeah. if I break my neck doing this back full on off of a mogul, all right, I'll take I'll take the risk on it. But I think maybe that, that's that, what that would be sick if the World Cup tour was like uh, it was a combination of everything. Like you had one stop where you had some huge jumps where people could do whatever they want, then you have a stop where there's no jump. Like it'd be kind of cool if you had some diversity there. It's like. I don't know, in like car racing, there's like not in NASCAR, obviously, but if if you're like a Formula One, there's like different tracks and there's different oh, like sure. some tracks are like super technical, some tracks are super fast. It'd be cool if we had a little bit more of that, maybe. It'd be very cool. Or a pro tour of that, where like the pro tour was structured so that it was different every time. Yeah. Well, I think and I think that there you would see a big difference in in the skiing and in the jumping, and I think that that you know that would be pretty exciting, especially. You know, you pull up some of those old YouTube videos of the old pro mogul tour, and it's just a hilarious free for all of people going down like Silver Fox at Snowbird, just <laughs> cooking. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do a flip off a of mogul like into more moguls. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I don't know if, it, yeah, it ha- it have to be soft. Have, you know, you'd have to wait for the powder day. Like, all right, boys, here we go. Here we go. But also, I think it would be interesting too, because like back then, the 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 ski length would be would be super interesting. Like you know, now that skis are so much shorter, right? Back mm-hmm. then, you had guys doing like helis and stuff like that on like some two tens, just craziness. And now, like a pair of one seventy fives, one seventy eights. Like I've been passing around the one ninety ones pretty well, so I don't know. I think it, I think you can do it. I think all right. If anybody can do it, you can do it. <laughs> I'm fully aware. Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely, me, probably not. You know, if it's a full, I'm looking right down the corner. <laughs> Get me to that landing. All right. So, Nations Cup, are you guys, I uh, think the U.S. is going to be able to close that one out? We're going to stick with the U.S. there. Uh, is it, Murph, are we in the lead right now? What's the, I'm pretty sure we're in the lead. They don't have like the, oh, they, don't they, don't, they don't keep track of that kind of event by event, but, um, at least there's nowhere you can find is it. Is it between them and Japan right now? Is I would that... assume that's who it would who it would be between uh, kind of us and Japan. I feel like we are. That's uh, um, uh, yeah. It, it's interesting because it doesn't really give you a breakdown of like how they do the points. Like, yeah, is it a straight up same points that you get? Is the translates over to the Nations Cup? So I don't know, but I'm pretty sure we are in the lead there if it is broken down like that. So. France could be looking okay too there, right? Problem is, I just don't think they have much depth. Like yeah. after you got the top guys, and then after you know you got Perrine and Cavett, and then after that, I feel like it it tried, yeah. you know, who yeah, who sure. who's next on the on the men's side, you know, and on the ladies' side, they just have what uh, Cabral, right? 
don't think there's really anyone else on the, on yeah, the, bench it's just on the French team. Preen and Camille Cabral. So yeah, so yeah, I would I would put I think it's a safe bet to go to US for that. That would be cool. That would be good year for one. Yeah, it'd be good. Yeah, good year to, to kind of bring it home, get a little uh, hype train before the uh, before the Olympic year. And do you guys uh, opinions on that? Do you guys think the Olympics will happen for uh, in Beijing next uh, next winter? I think you're going to find out this summer probably what what happens in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. I think, oh, man, I think yes. I don't think, think so. That. No. I think if anything, you'll see a Beijing. 2023 but i don't think you're seeing this next winter you think they'd combine uh, yeah. uh, i think you i don't know man i think you could if they can do tokyo this summer then for sure but i could see a scenario where they do olympics and it's like you know, obviously way different no spectating you know kind of each discipline like is, an nba bubble yeah okay. each discipline almost is in a bubble of itself right? like i could see that yeah, I mean, I th- there were rumblings the other week, you know, um, rumblings the other week. I just had Katie Gilchrist on last week on the show, and, you know, she was definitely a little bit concerned. Um, Bleach Report had that article about, you know, Tokyo essentially not happening, and then, like, the next day, government, uh, Japanese government comes out and, like, nope, we're it's happening, full bore. There's no rumblings, you know, as as they would say, but it's one of those things yeah. where, like, to all the know. athletes, you know, that one I'd be, I would be surprised if that one happens, but I think there's a better case to be made for the Winter Olympics happening. But you think the Winter Olympics going to China? Yeah, I think they're, I think, dude, I think they could do it. First of all, I think like China could throw so much resource at it. And I think when you like sh- think about when you show up to the Olympics, like you show up for all these processing and you don't even ski for like. I don't know. Do we even ski for a week, you know, when we got there? So, yeah, you could show up and you immediately are in, like, your own – instead of having, like – maybe instead of having nations in different dorms, it's, like, disciplines in different dorms, first of all. And then yeah. you show up, you test as soon as you get there. You're in your bubble. I could see that happening. Plus, it's not, like, it's winter anyway, so no one's going to come watch it outside. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, man, I don't know. I could see it happening. I think it'll happen. I think it'll happen. I think especially too, as they like ramp up vaccines and everything else, like I think it could be, I, yeah. I think that there, there will, where there's a will, there's a way. And if they yeah. want to be, you know, it, it's what, it will be the first host nation to have the summer and winter. I'm sure yeah. China wants to have that in their belt. So they, you know, they'll do everything in their power to kind of make that, make that happen. So I think, I think that there will be a, a winter Olympics next year for sure. Summer mm-hmm. Olympics. I, I, that, that's the tough one. Because yeah. it's coming up quick, and you know there's still so many cases and issues with vaccine getting spread around and stuff like that. That that one I feel like is going to be a, a nail biter to see if they're actually able to kind of. I would bet no on that one. Yeah, I think. I was also curious. I wanted to bring it up earlier. What's going to happen with like not having a Norium tour? How do how do people make the ski teams? Are just based off of the fifth points of the. You know, I, that, is, that is a great question, man. I don't know if they're just going to do uh, essentially you're on, if you're on the team, you stay on the team again, or I have no, I don't think that it's really been discussed. We've got to at least open up a little, a few doors there, man. There has to be at least some pipeline for somebody but to show the, up and make the, it to the Olympics next I don't know. I can't remember what the different criteria they could hit this year. I know a lot of it was fist points, and obviously that 
uh, guaranteed World Cup spot is not going to happen this year for the for the mm-hmm. Noram Tour. But the new athletes that make the ski team are on the ski team for two years, no matter what. Yeah, and that is part of that. I think last year is what happened. So like, um, if you just had made the ski team, it's two years, no matter how poorly you ski or kind of what happens, um, yeah. you're you're guaranteed to kind of be on the ski team and and have that spot. Um, which I think is, uh, you know, definitely an interesting, interesting, um, break from how they've done things in the past, but well, yeah, so I don't, I, that's a great question. I have absolutely no idea. I mean, I don't even know if there's gonna be a nationals. Yeah. That's, that would be interesting too. Yeah. I feel like there's going to be some roadmap for, you know, the Casey and Dringa or the, uh, did mayor do that too? Like not on the ski team to Olympics. Uh, so, uh, but that was different. You used to be able to make the ski team when you won selections. Right, right. But not with Casey. Not with Casey, but with, with Mayer, he right. won selections, made the ski team, and podiumed at his first World Cup. Um, right. And then won the Gold Cup. I mean, he was off to the races. Right. I feel like, so back then they had like a more clear path. But I'm just saying, they're like, there's, there's got to be some way for people who aren't currently on the ski team to have at least some sort of like sort of roadmap for the Olympics next year, so that I feel like we just have to figure out a way to make that happen. Well, the Olympics are the whole criteria changed, didn't it? I think so. I think this year is qualifying for the Olympics. I'm pretty this sure. Year, I think that's only if you're, um, if you're top six, top six on the fifth points list worldwide. You're in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean. In a normal year, this year would have been massive. And for yeah. the people that have capitalized on the shorter World Cup tour, like, it's yeah. big. Yeah. yeah. Besides that, it puts kind of a lot out there for everyone yeah. else. Yeah. yeah. Which is how, I mean, at least for the U.S., that's the way it's kind of always been, is that the pressure is that year. They want the hot people going yeah. in uh, to the Olympics, and that's kind of how it's, how it's always done. So it's pretty much status quo for us um but they did i do I mean, like that i do like that option to be in a year ahead though because i feel like if you're one of those people who's in the top six on the fifth list in the world you've kind of proven that like you have the ability and then you can kind of like go out and really work on like training to win the olympics rather than training to do well on the world cup or like training to like lay down your best possible run like hardest tricks fastest skiing best turns and that may like if you're trying to chase a world cup tour and get results you might not have the opportunity to do that, but for somebody who can know this spring that you're going, then you're like your entire summer and early season next year is like devoted to like being the, like having the best possible run that you could do. I think yeah. that's good. Definitely. I mean, I definitely, there are advantages and, and I think disadvantages. Um, that's probably more advantages because there's way less, way less pressure on yourself as well. It's not like you have to deal with kind of the, that stress going in, but then, at the same time, um, are you the hot one? Or, you know, is there someone yeah. else out there that has kind of skiing better? And, I mean, it, it, that in the U.S., it happens all the time. You know, you had Casey who's skiing hot, and then you've had Mare. I mean, there have been years where um, those people kind of going in come out and get the result that really aren't expected because maybe they don't really have that that pressure either, right? They're new, kind of new to the ski team. They're new to the – they're kind of just breaking through and they don't have a chance to even really, like, stop and think about it. Right. Like, so I think we have the – I think there's, like, the chance to do both because, like, I, it's probably unlikely that you get four Americans in the top six on the points. So maybe you get one or two and then you have one or two spots reserved – or not reserved, but next year that those people can kind of come up and lay it down. So you kind of get, like – 
the person who can prep the whole year knowing they're going and try to like come up with the best possible thing like training to win the olympics rather than training to do well in the world cup which those probably sound similar but i think there is a difference there and then you also oh, yeah. have the, the route for the person who comes out next year swinging is just like ready to jump in what do you think you dug i mean i agree with him there like somebody like him or brad and ending the 2017 season like yeah probably should have they're going they're sending like they get to train to win the olympics like going into that year is i mean you're pretty much pressure all the way till end of january when they confirm your spot like until you're locked in it's it's pretty real but it's also it's kind of wild because you do want the game timer like you want the the Casey Andringa. You want someone who's just hot and hungry and they're going. But it's it's a unique one because almost every other country in the world, they have a team mapped out early. And then the U.S. is, they're waiting. Yep. But they kind of, I mean, the, the the nice thing is that they're like that across the board. It's not like in some sports, yeah. like yeah. they have that picked out and everything else. I mean, at least it's a clean slate for pretty much everybody yeah. that, you know, that they're all going in with the same possibility and the same advantage or, you know, disadvantage or advantage and knowing that it's a totally an open playing field. Mm-hmm. Well, gentlemen, thank you guys for, uh, for taking the time and getting a, chat about some uh some bump skiing anything else that you guys uh kind of want to add in here i don't think so i'm pretty excited to watch this weekend i don't know if i'll be able to watch in person but is there hopefully there'll be a live stream or something i don't know watch it after the fact either way i'm excited i hope so of course it's good i was up there today it looks it looks nice so uh speaking to that uh it will be i don't know if it's live or i think it's a little bit tape delayed Uh, i don't know if there's an actual live stream i know the olympic channel uh will have moguls on at two o'clock um february 4th so thursday 2 p.m uh that could be the live that maybe that's just the finals um finals in yep uh, so that's on the Olympic Channel. And then Friday, uh, February 5th, 1230 um, Mountain Time. So 230 uh, Eastern will be duels on the Olympic Channel again. Um, so it's gotta be live. Eastern. I think that's got to be I would assume that that's live. And then Friday, uh, 530 p.m. Eastern, Moguls will be on NBC Sports. So that'll be okay. the tape delay. And then Sunday, February 7th, dual Moguls will be on NBC Sports, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern. And again, February 21st, another Sunday, uh, 1 p.m. Eastern, Moguls will be on NBC Sports. So I'm excited to hear Hannah Carney announce it, too. That'll, that'll be good. Yeah. impressed me with uh, commentating, calling out some pretty technical grabs. Yeah. No, that was good. I thought, yeah, that, yeah Hannah knew what uh, – no, she keeps – She's grinding. She's trying to make the uh, – get duels in there, right? That would be pretty exciting if we could get that into the, uh, into the O show. Mm-hmm. That would be good. Well, uh, also, um, so this episode, we um, are going to be donating $250 to the ID1 Foundation. Nice so, one. Uh, ID1 yeah. Foundation assists essentially uh, freestyle mogul athletes throughout the U.S. as they kind of pursue their uh, hopes and dreams of being you guys and being on the ski team and skiing Olympics and, and stuff like that. So um, good, good cause there. Um, 
Yeah, Emerson, I hope you're enjoying uh, retirement so far. I got uh, the only advice that I have for you, and this is actually from Mick Berry. He told me, after you retire, you're going to go out and you're going you're gonna to ski on some courses and you're going to feel great because you haven't skied at all. You're going to want to think about coming out of retirement. Don't. So that's the advice from Mick Berry. So that's, and I've, I've stood true to that because there are some times I'm like, I feel like I can ski this middle section, but yeah, <laughs> Mick would say don't. <laughs> that's very good advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out to you, Bob. I'm super proud of you for having that donation set up and uh, also to the ID1 Foundation. They've definitely helped Dog and myself and you too, you too probably, Bob? You've yeah, some- no, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. so commend uh, you and ID1 Foundation. ID1 Foundation. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you. This yeah. has been a, a good chat. Good. Well, uh, the next one, maybe we'll be able to uh, get in in studio and we'll get uh, Mr. Zemba to kind of come back. He wasn't able to make this one, but uh, I'd love to do it again to kind of wrap up the season and uh, talk about uh, next year. So thanks a lot, guys, and uh, thanks a lot, everybody, for listening in. Till next time. Thanks. Later. Thank you. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. And if you're watching or listening on YouTube, please make sure you hit that bell button so you get notified every time a new episode drops. Thanks.